Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the tailgate brought to you by CampusDeCanton.com. No Colin this week, no Felix this week. Addition by subtraction as far as I'm concerned. We do have some wonderful smiling faces here. We've got Matt Bruning, we've got Chris Moxley, we've got Brandon Hay. How are we doing today, guys? Everybody wide awake? Good. Yeah, good. Wonderful. Hopefully. Hopefully we'll wake you guys up a little bit here. It's playoff week, guys. I think by now every single league out there is probably in the playoffs in some form or the other. So we're going to help you guys navigate your way and hopefully get you to that next round today. Before we kick off here, though, guys, if you are follow or watching us here on the YouTube channel and you are not subscribed, go ahead, hit that button so that you uh, get alerts whenever we go live. We do this every Saturday morning, and then we have Coast to Coast again at night after all the games are over to recap uh what happened that day um let's go right into this guys we've, we've already had a few games this week we got some action that that lovely lovely late season action uh and i'm just going to come to you first here chris moxley because i know a lot of these guys are, are hashtag your guys central michigan had themselves a big week this week uh, really on the back of two guys daniel richardson the quarterback there and then lou nichols uh, who I am sadly going up against in a playoff matchup, so I'm just going to write that one off. Oh, what are, I mean, big, big, big performances there from those two guys. Yeah, I so I put Richardson on our sheet this morning to talk about because I think he's a guy that you, if you can still add people from waivers, he's a guy that I really want to be adding for next season. Um, he's only a redshirt freshman; it's his third year, but you know, weird stuff happens. I really think that he's the potential to be like a top. 12, 15 quarterback for you next year. Um, so he's a guy that, I mean, he's had multiple 30 point performances last couple weeks. Um, and in match and play, I mean, like anything can happen. So I really, I really want to get him and I have him on a few teams and I played him this week. Um, and the same, the same way I have a lot of Luke Nichols, right? Like these guys are, are huge match and producers. And even in non um, like conference games and during like actual match They've been Lou Nichols has been really, really solid. Lou Nichols is actually like he's got to be top five in the country in rushing yards. Like he's been fantastic this year. So I and he, I mean, he's a I believe he's a redshirt freshman as well. So you're gonna have these guys for three or four more years, which is really exciting. So there, those are two guys that I love um, and have rostered a lot of places. I'm actually playing them this week against Brandon in in, in one lineup. So. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Brandon. Yes, you are pretty much the match and just destroyed me. I'm at a very big deficit already, so that's not it, great. It, it feels like if you don't have at least one or two of these matching guys, like your week is just over at this point in the season. If you're going up against somebody else that does, I mean, it's just the the points keep coming from all of them there. And Lou Nichols, I just it's not much of a surprise. He was supposed to split that backfield with Kobe Lewis. He went down early uh, in the preseason there. Um, and, and I think he was kind of an obvious buy at that point. Um, if Kobe Lewis comes back next year, does that hurt Nichols value at all? Or do you think this is no. kind of Nichols job just moving forward? He was, he was productive. Um, when they split last year too, like he's the one a in that backfield and they run at an incredibly high rate. So, I mean, you can get two productive backs out of that backfield. Uh, maybe you don't get the same ceiling from Lewis. Like, I mean, he's averaging, He's he's thirteen hundred yards and eleven touchdowns and thirty five receptions. So like, you probably won't get that again. But you could probably still get another thousand yards and twenty five receptions. I mean, I, that's that's a startable player each week. And so I, I I'm not super worried about it. I just don't know if you're going to see the same ceiling. 
Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, another, and I like that nickels and dimes. <laughs> thank you, Matt, thank you. I worked, I worked so hard funny. on that. You're so funny. Um, another big name in Maction this week. I know this is one of your guys, Matt, so I'm just going to toss this over to you. You, I don't know, maybe a month ago, maybe a little a little less, a little more than that, somewhere around there, you had tweeted out just, you know, here are some names you should probably start familiar, familiarizing yourself with. Uh, one of them was Konata Mumfield, wide receiver there at Akron, the young kid, um, really coming on hot here during action yeah and i'll be honest i didn't even expect him to do as good as he he has been the past couple weeks and just uh really quick to answer moxley's question i I was kind of tuned in and out there so maybe he already said this but lou nichols is top five in rushing yards he's actually second right behind uh kenneth walker so by about looks like 30 yards so i mean he's he's obviously killing it as well we we talk about how good kenneth walker's been and we kind of overlook nichols there yeah he's he's been really good in I kind of had noticed him playing a little bit well before we even got to the matching part of it, which is good, right? You want to be able to see him play against better teams than just the matching teams. And so I was just looking – yeah, real teams. Just because he's technically a redshirt freshman. So I was just kind of looking, and I just went really quick and looked up at his weighted dominator uh, and just his regular dominator rating for the class because he would technically then be 2023 – eligible do you guys uh do you guys know where he ranks among like the top guys i mean quentin jackson smith Kayshawn, josh downs are the other ones that i threw in there he's he's better than all of them but josh downs in both weighted and regular dominator rating. Now i know you have to take that with a grain of salt but i i look at it more of like from the c2c side the fact that he's been able to somewhat produce against the better teams i think he's a guy you might be able to even flex throughout your season and then when you get to the matches you guys were just talking about helping you just like really kind of win in your playoffs as you, as you get to that part of your C2C leagues could really just help crushes. I think he got injured in this game as well and still was able to put up two touchdowns and 122 yards on just 11 catches. Yeah, a, a really solid line there for him um, on. Yeah, I mean, and again, just these matching guys, guys. I mean, down the stretch, they, they are going to prove to be uh, very, very useful for you. Um, Is, last can game I, I want to... Right, I have a question yeah, about um, Mumfield real quick. Are we sure that he's a redshirt freshman? Because I've had this discussion on Twitter a little bit too. I actually think he took a year off, which makes it it makes him 2023 eligible, but it also makes him extremely impressive for what he's doing as a true first-year player. Like That's really, really something. Um, yeah, so that and, part I don't know. I know he has nothing yeah. for last year. So that part, yeah, I couldn't tell you. I, I haven't done. If you go and look, I believe on like his his page on Akron, it doesn't talk about any of that. So I don't know. I I know that he's been out of high school for two years. That's all that I know. Yes. So I assume he's a redshirt freshman. And again, I I don't even know that he'd come out in the twenty twenty three class, even if he could. I, I feel like he's probably a four year college player. But still, I just, like I said earlier, I think it's impressive that he's been able to somewhat produce against good teams, and then we're now seeing what he's doing against the matching teams. Yeah, that's he's really exciting. Um, let me just toss out another name here, guys. Um, a guy on a, a passing offense we don't necessarily think of as prolific that is that has played pretty well here. Isaiah Nayor. I just wanted six catches, 126 yards, a touchdown. Uh, had that long touchdown, almost his time expired last night. Um, and he is in line with Mumfield in terms of weighted dominator rating. So just another guy, you know, not sure what the volume is going to be like on a week-to-week basis, but he is dominating. Uh, they threw for 156 yards, guys, last night. And he had 126 of them. And they threw for one touchdown. He had the touchdown. I mean, I don't know. They threw an interception as well. I'm assuming they were probably targeting him when they threw it. I mean, he is just a major, major cog in that offense. 
Um, so another name, and he's big. He's like 6'3", uh, a little over 200 pounds. And, yeah, he's uh, 210. He looks the part. He added weight, too. He's 6'3", 210. I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's a good size. He played in Texas. I mean, I don't really know much about him besides what he's doing this year, but – I mean, he's at least interesting, right? Yeah. Like, he's obviously dynamic and explosive. Like, doing that against Boise's defense is not anything to, like, like I don't know. It's impressive. I, I, I think he's a good call-out. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. And then the last game here that we want to talk about, and then we will move into previewing today, Desmond Ritter. Uh, for Cincy last night, Cincy, uh, a big win there against USF. Maybe a closer game than it should have been. Um, but alas, here we are. Desmond Ritter had 304 yards passing and two touchdowns. He also had another 65 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Um, is Was this a positive performance for him? And I'm going to go to Matt first, and then if Brandon or Chris, either of you guys want to jump in on this, uh, feel free to do so. I mean, I think anytime he gets a win, it's a positive. It wasn't a great win, though. I mean, he didn't look good early on against this team, right? I think he threw a pick. He may even have had a fumble. I kind of missed, uh, like, the first quarter uh, of that game. But I watched the rest of it. I really think he he did take control in the second half. You know, part of it I also think is Cincinnati doesn't have great players around him. And he had Jerome Ford out last night, and they kind of asked Desmond Ritter to do a lot, and, and he did it. I mean, it, it, they didn't put that team away. It's something that Luke Fickles talked a lot about. They they failed to put these teams away. But, uh, you know, I just I, I wanted to talk a little bit about him because I am curious to get Moxley and, and Hayes' opinion on him because me, you, and Felix have obviously talked a lot about him. I'm much higher oh, on him than – yeah. Yelled. I'm much higher on him than you two are. But again, I feel like when I say that I think he can be a second or a third round pick, like that's not like people act like I'm saying he's a first round pick. I'm not putting him up there, but I do think he can be a second round or third round pick and be a backup quarterback. And so I just went and looked at, you know, Jarek always tells you when it comes to quarterbacks, like look at the QBR and stuff like that. Looking at his QBR, he's better than Carson Strong and Malik Willis the past couple years. He, he was better than Spencer Rattler. He's better than Jaden Daniels. So why are we not giving him credit? Because QBR takes into effect the teams that you're playing, right? It takes into effect your schedule, how weak your opponents are. And he's crossed the dom- he crossed that line last year. Now, he hasn't this year, and he's a little bit below Malik Willis right now at this point this year, but he also hasn't been playing as good, I think, as it is last year. I think that he can be a decent quarterback when it comes to the NFL level. Is he ever holding a job forever? No, probably not. But I do think if he were a backup or if he gets a shot at a job, he could be a decent option there. I think he's going to get drafted. And that's kind of always been my biggest contention with him. And when it comes to Superflex and C2C leagues, leagues, not leaves, we're we're not talking about fall here, C2C leagues, any quarterback that's drafted, especially in the second or third round, holds value. And you could have traded Kellen Mond for like a second or third round pick uh, after he got drafted in the second round or whatever it was against the Minnesota Vikings. I'm not telling you Ritter is going to be amazing, but that value matters when it comes to leagues. I agree. I agree. I think he's a second round pick. Um, People talk about him as a QB one or like a first rounder. Like he's not, he, you have to, you have to dominate South Florida, Tulane, Tulsa, Navy to be a first round pick. I'm sorry. Like, Cincinnati in the top four discussion, that's an, that's an embarrassing conversation in itself. But you need to be better. Like the same, It's the same issue that I have with Malik Willis. You have to be better. I, and we, we've had this conversation, re, Will, uh, Malik Willis, like you have to be Lamar Jackson of Louisville. Like you have to put the entirety of the team on your back and win games. And neither of those players are currently doing that. 
And I, it just, it's frustrating to see because I do think both of them are talented. And I do think Ritter is going to be a second round pick. I would be surprised if he wasn't, um, just because he's like his skills um, and his attributes. And I think NFL media kind of likes him, but he needs to dominate these teams. Like, you need to dominate South Florida. Like, what are you doing, dude? Like, come on. Sorry, I didn't mean to get all like. Nah, R- Ritter brings out the emotion in you, right? I, I know. I dealt, I dealt with this on Wednesday. He just he brings the emotion out. You know, I, like I said, I mean, Felix mentioned me doubling down on him. I'm telling you, we guys, we do live draft coverage. This year's draft coverage is going to be fun because Austin and Kevin are going to have some kind of first round draft pick bet on Carson Strong, and I'm gonna have a second round draft pick with a bunch of you guys on Desmond Renner. When it happens, like a bunch of you guys that's are getting your I head think shaved. He goes. What but see, that's bet? all I've been saying. So why is it that you guys like hate on me when I say he's going to be a second round pick? That's all I've ever said. I've never said he's, he's going to be first good round though. Pick. Yeah. We, we, we can't get into this either. too much. Brand, Brandon, Brandon, do you have any thoughts on Desmond Ritter? So I move on. So yeah, it's I don't feel nearly as strongly as Chris or Matt about this. Um, I I tend to agree with both of you, um, Chris, about. They are playing bad teams, and I do worry he, like Matt has uh, said, he has these slow starts um, and everything. I do worry about that, and he's not putting up, you know, the huge numbers. I think he could go um, late second, early third, and he could be like a quarterback with that you should roster but could fill in, you know, if a starting quarterback's hurt. But I just don't ever see him being, you know, a franchise quarterback in the NFL. But, um, yeah, I kind of echo both what they're saying, so I guess I'm in between, you know, both of their thoughts on, on Ritter. Start calling you Switzerland. <laughs> um, for me, and just to toss this out, like, he feels to me not, you know, play style-wise or anything like that, but he feels like Keenan Slovis, a guy that we got really excited about for an initial year. We said, well, if, we can, if he can continue to kind of build upon what he's done, then we, then we feel really good about him. And he's stagnated. I don't know that Desmond Ritter has gotten any better since he first really got on the field. I mean, uh, uh, incrementally, but not significantly. He is what he is at this point. I, I, we, we have basically seen his ceiling, in my opinion. So I don't disagree. I think the thing that changes him from Ritter is he has that rushing upside, which I do think if he – an NFL team is going to value that in some way. Again, I'm not – you know, Felix just said the next Kelamon. I don't disagree with that. But that's my point is I think he's a little bit better than Kelamon. And we saw Kelamon go, what, in the second round? So that's my point. If he gets the draft capital, he's going to have some value. I've never said he's going to be an NFL starter. But if you have him in your C2C league, I have him in a bunch of my leagues. If he goes like like Austin, we talked on Debbie Debate Miami, right? If he goes to Miami, well, here's the one thing about two, assuming they don't get Watson, which probably seems likely. I don't want to get too much into the NFL waters here. If Tua stays the starter, we've seen how injury-prone he is. I can flip Desmond Ritter to that for probably something decent. Now, it's not going to be a massive overhaul, but I'm going to get something back for Desmond Ritter if he's going to Miami to be Tua's backup. That's always been my point, is that he has value if he goes in the second round because I think he is a good. He is not great. He is not a echelon, not elite, but he is a good quarterback at the end of the day. So I forget what his ADP was, Matt, but it was somewhere in the 70s or 80s this offseason in C2C startups. If that... It becomes his role. Was he worth that pick based on, you know, he hasn't been an overwhelming QB one this year for fantasy. And then that, you know, on the NFL side, I mean, is that, does that get back that value for you? Have you lost value on that pick? I think at that point, it depends on if you're able to trade him or what I was trying to pull up where he finished. Cause he actually had a really good year last year at QB for, for college. But I agree with you. He's not been quite as, um, 
quite as good this year because I want to say he finishes a top. Did he? Did he not finish as a top twelve QB last year? He would have been close. points on the college yeah. side. I was trying Probably. to see what he is this year. I'm almost positive he did last year. It was one of the rings. So, no, he's 13. So, I mean, he brought you back to college. So, I was about to say, I start him every single week in the program league. So, yeah, I mean, I when when I drafted him in some of those leagues, it was never – like when I drafted him last year, we did our program one. It was never because I thought he was going to be some massive NFL guy, but it was, look what he's going to do for me on the college side, and he can possibly get draft capital. So, I think – if you drafted him that high, you I assume you did it because you were hoping to win the NFL side or the college side. You probably paired him with someone else really good. So, yeah, I think if he wins you your college side and you're able to get something back from him, a couple college producers, if you flip him when he gets drafted in the NFL, yeah, I think he, he brought back value easily. Because, I mean, who – Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say he was uh, top 10 last year. I think okay. he was like ninth. So, he's still right around that. So, you know, yeah, I just pulled it up. He's sitting much. at 13. Now, Grant, I think, yeah. well, they counted. They probably have last night's game already in the mm-hmm. system for fan tracks. So he oh, might drop you. a little bit then based on who's below him. But I can't imagine dropping out of the top 20 because he's, let's see here. I mean, he's good almost 30 points ahead of C.J. Stroud, who is going to play today against Purdue. So, and Stroud was, Stroud's 20. So he's going to stay in the top 20 more than likely, regardless of how the people below him. All right, guys, predictions for game day. Matt, do you have the the updated standings in front of you? If you don't, that that's fine. Oh yeah, I mean it's only gonna take me a minute to get to it. me. You and Brandon are tied, though. I do yeah. know that. So right now, Austin, myself, and Brandon are all sitting at forty and sixteen, and then Colin and Chris are both actually sitting at thirty five and twenty one. So those two battling to see who finishes last, and the three of us battling to see who finishes at the top. Five, five, five games. That's within reach. Someone has a real stinker, uh, and, and these guys get hot so, again here. So that's uh, hold uh, on. We do have, we do have to adjust this real quick. Uh, the the funny thing that you say about that is that you're right. If someone has a stinker, the problem is whenever you, me, or Brandon have bad weeks, Moxley or Colin go like one for four. So that's uh, neither. The only one who's ever really made up ground on us is Brandon because Brandon was actually toward the bottom, and then he's actually caught up to you and yeah. me. You and me have been at the top for pretty much the entire season. What can I say? All right, guys, we've got five games we're picking here for you this week. There, there are some fun matchups on today's slate. First up, guys, Oklahoma at Baylor. Noon kickoff here. Um, I'm taking Oklahoma, but I think it's a pretty close game. Um, but I do just that Caleb Williams offense now. Just too good. Yeah, last time I tried to pick against Oklahoma and Caleb Williams, they made me look bad. I just, I agree, and some of what Moxley said I do think matters with, with Baylor here. I mean, Baylor almost beat them last year, but I don't think that happens here. I think Oklahoma is well coming off the bye week. They're, they're going to end up getting the win behind Caleb Williams. Yeah, I, I'm Boomer Sooner, Boomer Sooner this week. They're just getting healthier across the board, um, and I think that bye week is really important. I, I'm shocked that the spread's only four. I think Oklahoma's going to cover this with ease. Baylor is not an impressive team to me. Um, they're they're solid, but they haven't played anybody good in terms of passing. So I think they're going to get eaten alive by Caleb Williams this week. Yeah, I have Oklahoma too. I think uh, Caleb Williams going to have another impressive game. Alrighty, next up here. Oh, and actually, Colin picked Oklahoma as well. He, he is away this week, but he he wants his picks out there to be known. So we don't uh, just give them the automatic 0-5 like I wanted to do. Michigan at Penn State, another noon kickoff Eastern Standard Time here, guys. Um, Michigan, but I don't really feel that good about that. I 
this could go either way. But I mean, I think Michigan, like I think our our opinion of Michigan has been damaged more than it should have after they lost to Michigan State. Not that they were a great team in the first place, in my opinion. Um, so I, I I still think they're they're the better team over Penn State. I agree. I am taking the team up north. I mean, if you really look at that game, Michigan State won on a couple of explosive plays by Kenneth Walker. Outside of that, it was very evenly matched. Penn State, I just I don't think they're as good either as we give them credit for. I mean, some of that, you know, if you go back and look at the what they've done this past season, maybe Clifford's healthy. They beat Iowa, and they did take Ohio State to the wire. But I'm going to be honest, I don't think Ohio State's as good as we think they are either. So I, I do think it's going to be a close game, but I think that team up north comes away with the victory. Yeah, I like Michigan this week. Um, I, I just don't know how Penn State produces, I guess, like – they can't do anything on the ground. Um, all Michigan has to do is like double cover Johan Dotson, and it's pretty much over for the Penn State offense. So I, I like Michigan this week. Uh, I'm I should be more confident in this one, I think. But uh, as negative things always happen to Michigan, but I am taking Michigan. Um, I think Penn State with Clifford's, you know, not be able to run as much. It really limits their running game. I do think Jahan Dotson could still have a good game today as Michigan's down a corner and Michigan could still win just because I don't think even, you know, through passing the passing game, they, uh, they will be explosive enough and they can't stop the run uh, well enough to, you know, keep Michigan down enough. But, uh, you know, I'm just glad this isn't a night night game at, at uh, happy Valley. So I'm glad it's a noon kickoff. Yeah, I would have possibly gone the other way if that was uh if that was a scenario and Colin, Bless his heart. Picked Penn State. So there is another game that we're going to be up and calling after this week. Purdue at Ohio State, 330 kickoff. Uh, that was an interesting stat you said earlier, Matt, about Purdue being four and five against uh, Ohio State over their last nine games here. Always seem to have Ohio State's number. And so I am picking Ohio State, not Purdue. Matt yeah, thought I was, was... going to switch it up and give him a little heart attack there. No, uh, so just because I know we don't really have Alfred and Will waiting for us, I'm gonna take a, take a sec- second here. So, 2004 oh, Ohio State is 130 and 19 in Big Ten play. This includes Big Ten championship games, but does not include the playoffs. They are 15 and one against that team up north. 11 and one versus Illinois. Nine and one versus Northwestern. Seven and one versus Nebraska. 11 and two versus Wisconsin. Five and two versus Iowa. 12 and three versus Michigan State. 14 and four versus Penn State. But then five and four against Purdue. They have an eight point an eight ninety-three winning percentage against everybody else in the Big Ten. That includes Indiana, Minnesota, Rutgers, and Maryland, who have yet to get a win against Ohio State, but a five fifty-five winning percent uh against Purdue. Purdue just has their number. I was very surprised when they got the 20 point point spread. I do not think it's gonna be that at all. I'd be surprised if they win by 14. Still taking Ohio State because I think they're the better team. But it is going to be a close game. I do not think Purdue is going to get blown out in this one. Um, I know a lot of people think it. I don't. But Ohio State does. Oh, Ohio State does end up getting the win. I really wanted to take the spoiler makers here. I just, I just couldn't do it. I, I think Ohio State's the better team. Um, Purdue's defense has been better than it has been in recent years, so I, I think that's a, a win for them. But you know, I, I just don't really see the Buckeyes losing this matchup. I. It could be close, though. I, I will say that, but give me the give me Ohio State. Yeah, I think uh, Ohio wins this, uh, but I, it, but I think Purdue keeps it within twenty points. So, 
Give me Ohio. Shots fired. I'm not calling them Ohio State, huh? Very, very nice. Very, very nice. Um, Texas A&M at Ole Miss, 7 p.m. kickoff here. Um, I'm going with Texas A&M. I would feel better about Ole Miss if Corral was not banged up and if everybody was kind of healthy uh, around him there, but that is not the case. Uh, I think A&M kind of grinds out an ugly, not very fun to watch win here. I'm taking Texas A&M as well, and I don't know that this is – I didn't even really think about giving Ole Miss the win. I don't like this team outside of Corral. Their defense is not great. I don't even love their offense. I don't even know if uh, Drummond's going to play in this game, and I don't know that Ely and those guys are going to be able – and Snoop Conner are going to be able to run on Texas A&M. I think they showed the blueprint last week about how to beat teams like Ole Miss when they just destroyed Auburn, and it wasn't – the the game wasn't overall like a big big spread on the scoreboard, but they dominated that game. Now, Zach Calzada, QB, and that offense for Texas A&M worried me a little bit, but Ole Miss's defense is a little bit more than just a rumor. So I actually think Zach Calzada might be able to do something. Texas A&M still has a shot to make the playoffs. So I think they're going to come out here and play a very good game against Ole Miss, and I expect them to win. Yeah, I, I do as well. I, I think the Aggies are I, – I have them minus two um, on my card this week. I think they're going to give Ole Miss just fits. Ole Miss is just so – They've ran through the gauntlet of teams. I mean, they're just beat up and and down. They're down bad, as as the kids say. So, I like Texas A and M to really control this entire game and and win here. Going against the grain. Give me Ole Miss and Corral. He's gonna find a way. He's gonna find a way, and then I'm gonna be the leader next week. So Austin and me are still fighting for first after this week. I appreciate Perfect. it. Perfect. I love it. And Colin has Texas A&M. Colin also has Ohio State, I believe. I forgot to say his his pick on that one as well. So the, those are his two picks there. Last up here, guys, and then we're going to get you out of here. NC State at Wake Forest, 7.30 kickoff. Wake Forest coming off their first loss of the season. I was so, so tempted to take NC State because I don't think Wake Forest is like a good team. Like UNC was the best team they've played this this season and they i mean and they they lost and like their defense can't stop anybody Uh, but i'm gonna take wake forest but i I do think this is a very close game um i'm just not sure that you know they can't stop anybody but you still have to at least put up the points like you have to match them drive for drive but i'm just not sure nc state can do that every single time i mean army almost did it (laughs) i mean it's it's a tough ask I really think this is going to come down to who do you trust more, Leary? Sorry, my son just threw a ball. Leary or Hartman, and I'm going to take Hartman. Uh, I was really, really surprised by the way I did. I picked UNC to win that game last week, and there was a very good portion of that game. I thought it was not going to be even close. Hartman has been playing amazing. I mean, he's been talking his way now into draft circles all of a sudden. But I don't think we should discount how good Leary's been for NC State. That being said, I'm going to take Wake Forest. I would probably have leaned NC State if Wake had won this week because this would have been a classic letdown spot. I think Wake has to get right. Um, I don't remember who said it, but Wake is just a team of like veterans almost. Like they're fifth, sixth year guys who know how to grind out and win. If NC State would just stop running the damn ball so much, I think they'd have a better chance. I think Wake Forest takes this game. Yeah, I'll, I'll also go with Wake Forest. I think 
Last week, uh, Sam Hartman get, had a couple picks that really let uh, North Carolina kind of stick around, and I think uh, he'll try to you know stop that this week. I, I need him to have a huge huge game in a couple of my playoff matchups since I'm missing Cole Turner. So give me Wake Forest. Alrighty, and Colin has NC State in this game. So. Wow, we're gonna gain a lot of ground on Colin this week. Yeah, well, he's in desperation mode now, folks. Um, Before he's we gotta, get out of here, yeah. Austin, did you see the play by Drew Aller this past weekend? Yeah. My God, that kid is so good. Penn State's going to beat Ohio State next year. He's he's Josh Allen. Like I, it's that's twenty four sevens comp, and that's one of the few times where I've ever looked at their comp and been like, "Yep, that is like right on the money." Like yeah, this kid, except for he like doesn't have to build up the accuracy like at the same level. Like he's he's there. He's a, he's a good player. Uh, quarterback one in the class for me. We'll be having more freshman content here in the next few months, guys. So there's a little tease for you. All right, guys. First hour here is over. Brandon, Matt, thank you guys so much uh, here for joining us. Good luck to all your fantasy teams here today, guys. Hopefully, we're celebrating tonight on Coast to Coast with you guys with some winners. So, so again, good luck, everybody. Matt, Brandon, um, uh, hopefully, you know, lots of good luck to Ohio State and, and Michigan as yeah, well today. Go Buckeyes. And, and, and instead of signing off with my go Buckeyes, how about Dos Acero? Let's go, baby. Let's go. It is Coast to Coast presented by CampusCanton.com. We're here like we are for you every single weekend at the close of the week. We still got some games going on. Caleb Williams benched. Is the Heisman Trophy all but locked up? We're going to get into all of that and more, but I need you guys to do two things for me. Two things. Jump in the chat. Jump in the chat and let us know where you are watching from. We want to know where people are from what people are doing tonight when they're uh, uh, while they're watching us. And, of course, hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications so you can know when we go live for Coast to Coast like you're watching right now and the tailgate, 10 o'clock every single morning uh, during the college football season. But we start every single Coast to Coast with the rundown. We're starting this week with the return of Caleb Williams after the bye last week, OU at Baylor. This game was very sloppy early on. Caleb Williams, uh, uh, ineffective, hurt, hand stepped on. Lincoln Riley not able to get the running game going, taking deep shots down. But the first half of this game was marred by interceptions, and it was a field position game. Uh, By now, we see that Caleb Williams was benched in that game for Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler just as ineffective, uh, four for six, 36 yards, no touchdowns, no under, no interceptions. Caleb Williams was actually 10 for 19 for 146. Um, just a bad day for the OU offense overall. Kennedy Brooks, just 3.9 yards a carry. Again, that led to just uh, the offense being stagnant. Abram Smith. The guy getting it going on the running uh, in the running game for Baylor in this one, and OU goes down. We saw that the committee already didn't respect them. They were ranked eighth in the playoff rankings, and now with a loss, you have to believe that their playoff chances are all but extinguished. But there's a bright future for that team with Caleb Williams uh, at the helm. But we will not. I don't think that we will see them in the playoffs. All right. 
game that we were looking forward to, Brandon. Hey, you're a Michigan fan. Michigan at Penn State. This is Big Ten football at its finest. How did this one turn out today? Yes, so now I'm unmuted. Yes, so early on, Penn State uh, really controlled the game in the first quarter. Uh, James Franklin was throwing out everything. He had a fake punt on the first drive. They only got a field goal. They were down inside the red zone again. Did a crazy uh, uh, fake field fake field goal. Was not a good decision. And they came away with the first quarter with only three points. And then Michigan kind of got started in the running game going and um, got the lead. Uh, but they just could not close out the team just like they couldn't against Michigan State. Penn State really came alive in the fourth quarter. And then Michigan was able to come back uh, with a drive uh, to, to get the lead for good. Uh, Penn State could not handle Michigan's defensive line. They had seven sacks. That really affected their offense because Sean Clifford seemed a little healthier today, um, able to run the ball a little more. He had only had 200 passing yards and one touchdown. Um, so he was most their uh, rushing attack, but when they hit him so much, it really um, caused him to uh, not be as accurate later in the game. And for Michigan offense, it was mainly Hassan Haskins. He had uh, 31 carries for 156 yards, five catches for 45 yards. Uh, Kate McNamara was, you know, efficient enough with 217 yards, three touchdowns, two to Roman Wilson and one to Eric All. And then, um, you know, Jahan Dotson continued, uh, you know, his strong performance with um, nine catches for 61, and Parker Washington uh, chipped in with four for 92. It was a big it win for season with Parker Washington. Yeah, so um, it was good to see him get some action there, but it was a big win for Harbaugh because it looked like it was going to be another uh, road loss for him. But uh, more questions for James Franklin and the Nittany Lions. All right, Brandon. Um, Michigan, Blake Quorum uh, out today. Hassan Haskins taking over for him. I mean, I think we care about those two running backs. I think we care about um, Parker Washington and Jahan Dotson and Theo Johnson. Um, Theo, uh, Jahan Dotson and Theo Johnson. Um, but Big Ten football is just, uh, you know, when it comes to offense, it's a little bit gross, but good game today. All right, Brandon, we'll come back to you a little bit later in the show. Uh, Matt Bruning. Your Ohio State Buckeyes taking on the Giant Slayer. That is Purdue. They beat Purdue has beaten three uh, number two, excuse me, two number three overall ranked teams. But they would not uh, beat the Buckeyes today. No, as much as we talked about that on the tailgate this morning, that uh, this uh, series between these two teams has been really close. Purdue has played Ohio State fairly well over the past nine years. Uh, Ohio State. You know, came away with a big win here, 59-31. I did not expect it to be this good. Aiden O'Connell, who had a huge day last week, kind of continued that again against a, a secondary that I don't think is that good for the Buckeyes. 390 yards through the air, four touchdowns. David Bell, while he didn't get a touchdown, did still get 100 yards. I think we said on tailgate this morning we thought he might get 150, so he fell a little bit short of that. But I talked about it. Denzel Burke, uh, freshman cornerback for the Buckeyes, not getting a lot of love out there. He's been really good. He's not allowed a receiving touchdown on the season. He was fucked up with Bell a lot in this matchup, and he did a really good job of shutting him down for the most part. So great job by him, at least, on that secondary. But uh, overall, I mean, again, Buckeyes allowed 31 points. They got two tough matchups coming up this week with that that uh that against that state that we don't really like to talk about. Nobody really likes. 
Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how they can handle those offenses, both who run the ball very well, and that's something Ohio State struggled with a lot earlier in the season. On the Buckeye side, I mean, Stroud, 361-5 and five through the air, looked really good. Um, he, he was missing some plays early in the game, and, and that's, I think, why the game stayed as close as it was for so long. But Garrett Wilson coming back was huge. I mean, not only got a rushing touchdown, he got three receiving touchdowns. Some idiot said to sit him on tailgate. I don't remember who exactly it was, but whew, that guy looks like a dumbass right now because Wilson went off in this game, 126 yards receiving. JSN continues his ascent this year, 139 through the air with the touchdown. And Chris Olave, just 85-1. and one. He had a 65-yard touchdown uh, catching the end zone, but got called back on a Jeremy Ruckert holding call where he was supposedly ho- holding George Cole Loftus. It did not look like that um, when they went back and watched the replay, but it did get called back. Uh, your boy, Mike Williams, uh, ran the ball out here in the second half. Uh, with they, they decided to rest Henderson a little bit here in the second half. He still got 98-2, and two, though, on the first half. Had that huge run. It was, I think, 50-plus, where he just turned on the burners and left everyone behind. Uh, and then they brought Mike Williams in. Uh, he had a little over, I believe he had actually over 100 yards in this one as well uh, in that whole second half. So, I mean, they looked good um, overall. And like I said, we're going to some bigger matchups here with Michigan State and Michigan on the docket. Michigan State and Michigan left. Left. We got to give some credit to that Ohio State offensive line. Um, some of those holes that Travion Henderson were running through were wide open. And he was just able to use his burst and speed and not even be touched on his way to the end zone. So um, credit, hats off to – I shouldn't even say that. Hats off to that Ohio State offensive line. All right, thanks, Matt. Uh, Brendan, hey, get back in here as we get go through the later slate. This Texas Ole Miss game. Uh, just concluded not too long ago, and Old Miss really pulled out at the end of it. Yeah, it was a tale of two halves. Really, Ole Miss controlled the game in the first half, but missed out on some opportunities in the red zone. So let Texas A&M hang around. Um, the defense played well in the first half. In the second half, Texas A&M really was able to run the ball and, and pulled within a couple points. But then um, they threw a couple interceptions, and Ole Miss was able to uh, pull out the win. Um Isaiah Spiller wasn't able to do much in this game, only 41 yards, but Devin Chain had 110 yards. Um, Jalen Weidemeyer and Ania Smith kind of came through in the second half. And uh, for Ole Miss, it was really the Jerry on Ely show. He had over 150 yards rushing. That Corral had uh, you know a decent game with 240 pass yards and one touchdown. He looked like he was moving a little better, but uh, I think the biggest takeaway from this game was just how Ole Miss was able to play defense against Texas A&M and kind of uh, stop them. And then it could be it could have been a much bigger um, win for them if they could have cashed in on some of those red zone opportunities in the first half. Yeah, Lane Kiffin is definitely uh, making noise there at Ole Miss, and we got to see where he lands. I was trying to pull up the um, – wide receiver rankings for the 2020 class because DeMond DeMoss had a cr- critical drop in this game, um, but computer's acting a little bit slow. Uh, anyway, I, I, maybe we can go back to that later later in the show. Uh, that wide receiver class is not looking too great at the moment, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll appreciate it, Brandon. All right, Austin, uh, we gave you what we thought would be an interesting assignment, but Brennan Armstrong did not play. And that made this game a bit of a, a bit of a snooze fest. 
I've been very lucky with my game assignments over the, the past few weeks, so I cannot complain too much about watching possibly the worst college football game that I've had to endure this entire season so far. This game was truly, truly as awful as it sounds. Notre Dame won 28-3. And yes, the big storyline, the, the really the only takeaway here, Virginia, no Brendan Armstrong. It was rumored all week that he wasn't going to play. I think we had a pretty good idea by last night that he was going to be out. And so that basically nuked every option that you wanted there. I know we, we said on the tailgate this morning, you know, sit, sit Dontavian Wicks, sit Billy Kemp, sit all these kids that maybe you would usually play if Armstrong is there because we did not know what the backup quarterback situation would really look like. It was bad, folks. Jay Wolfolk uh, was the kid in there today, threw for just under 200 yards, a couple interceptions, no touchdowns, um, missing receivers kind of all over the place. Um, and I mean, he didn't cost them the game, but they, they were never going to win with him in there. Um, yeah, Wicks only had 32 yards. Uh, I mean, it, it just was a very underwhelming performance for most of the receivers there. The leading guy there was Thompson, who had 110 through the air and had another 20 or so on the ground for Notre Dame. I mean, I guess the notables are, are Jack Cohn and, and, and Kyron Williams, but neither had, you know, quote unquote, a strong game. Uh, Cohn was very game manager-ish, 15 for 20, 132 yards, uh, three touchdowns and an interception there. Kyron Williams led the way on the ground as he usually does, 14 carries, 70 yards and a touchdown. Um, and they had some other guys chipping. You know, Michael Mayer had 80 and a touchdown. Logan Diggs, the freshman we've talked about a little bit, had 64 yards today. Kevin Austin had 38 yards. I mean, it was just a typical unsexy Notre Dame wear them down. You just drag it out as long as we can. And I think it was 21 nothing at halftime. It was so obvious Virginia was not going to score 21 points. So, I mean, the, the second half, I just sat there and kind of wanted to cry a little bit. Yeah, Notre Dame has an outside shot. After almost losing to, to Toledo, has an outside shot at the playoff. Austin, let me ask you this about Kyron mm -hmm. Williams. He is – his skill set lends itself to a three-down roll. He can catch the ball. He can pass block. He's going to be on the field a lot for an NFL team, or at least he should be. Do you think he can be a, a excuse me, a running back one at the next level? Uh, I mean, I, I will never really rule that out because I think it being the RB1, so much of uh, if it comes down to opportunity as opposed to, you know, I mean, we, we've seen backups who take on a role that were, they were never supposed to have and finish as back-end RB1s. So I would never say that it's not possible. I would not say that that would be my, my expectation for him year on year. I would actually be a little bit surprised if he ever really held down a backfield by himself. For more than maybe a season or, or some spot stuff here or there but i mean he can certainly be a very productive guy in the nfl and a guy that's maybe an a, a, you know you're happy if he's the third rb on your roster or something like that which I, that's a valuable piece he's going to be valuable uh one of the better running backs in this 2022 class should he decide to come out um all right we appreciate it austin matt bruning the last game that we are covering in our rundown today is uh the nc state wake forest game Wake Forest back on after uh, taking a loss last week. Sam Hartman's been carrying um, some teams to victories this season with his play. But Devin Leary, Devin Leary can actually spin it. It's my first time watching him today, and he's got 25 touchdowns and only three interceptions on the season. But this one was another high-scoring affair like all of Wake Forest's games are. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Wake Forest did not look good early in this one. You you mentioned Sam Harton sling, slinging it all over the place. He didn't quite look as in control as he did last week against you. See, let's start with Devin Leary on um, North uh, NC State side here. I mean, 408 yards through the air, four touchdowns. Didn't get a lot of rushing work in this one. I think kind of a snub for not even being listed with the Davey O'Brien. I actually I agree with you. He's been one of the really good quarterbacks so far this season. Outside of him, you had Pearson and Knight who were okay in this one. Knight 30 yards on the ground, Pearson 36. Knight did return a kick, though, for a touchdown as well that gave them the lead early into the third quarter. Looked like they were actually going to keep up with them. They did for the most part, uh, really kind of toward the end there in the fourth corner. Almost got an onside kick to possibly come back and win this. Uh, Wake Forest, though, played really well. A messy, huge game here again. 133 and two through the air. As you mentioned, Sam Hartman, just 290. You did get the three touchdowns through the air um, and one on the ground, but three interceptions as well. He, he was turning the ball over a little bit more than I think you'd like. Um, you know, but again, looked really good against NC State, probably their best competition outside of UNC. And then A.T. Perry had a good game here as well for them with uh, 73 yards through the air, along with uh, Stewart, who had 51 and a touchdown, I believe, Donald Stewart. So, nope, I'm sorry. I was wrong about that. It was just Perry. I don't know why I thought Stewart had a touchdown. But, yeah, so, I mean, overall, it was a very exciting game. It was fun to watch a lot of offense in this one. Sam Hartman not quite as uh, crisp and in control as he was in the game we saw last week against North Carolina. Yeah, as good as Jakari Roberson and A.T. Perry has been, when I've watched Wake Forest, those two drop a ton of passes. And they are not necessarily separators. Um, they're bigger wide receivers. And so if they're going to be possession guys that drop the ball, I don't know how they can be NFL wide receivers. But who cares for the moment? They're players that you've got to start uh, in your lineups. Just remember, you know, they might be trade pieces later on if someone thinks that they're going to be NFL wide receivers. I, I've seen enough of those two where I'm just uh, questioning it a little bit. Yeah. So, all right. I don't Matt, uh, um, really quick on that. He was targeted 24 times in this game. A.T. Perry and only had five catches. I don't know how many of them exactly were drops, but there was quite a lot of them. So just, just to throw that out there. Uh, 24 times. Okay. All right. Um, all right, Matt. Well, let me let you bring in Austin here. So, uh, And I will hand it over to you guys for headlines. Get him out of here. I think you're muted, Matt. I am. I said, hey, Austin, nice. how are we doing today? How, how are we doing? How are you, Matt? I'm good. I'm, I'm good. wonderful. Wonderful. It's been a really wonderful day, really wonderful weekend. So let's talk headlines here. The big one, bear down. The Baylor Bears upset Oklahoma and dashed their playoff hopes. Just kind of your overall thoughts on this. I mean, I think that kind of – not that not any of us were touting Caleb Williams as a possible Heisman winner, but there were a lot of people talking about maybe he gets that invitation with how well he has been playing. I think that kind of got dashed as well in this loss. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a nice year if you're a Heisman hopeful because nobody has pulled away and and there you know there's only one undefeated team and they don't have a guy that that seems super obvious. So that that's keeping some of these guys maybe hanging around that that should not be in that conversation. Look, Caleb Williams wasn't great today. But he got – everybody is just overlooking the fact he got hurt today. He wasn't yeah. just benched. He got his, his hand, hand got stepped, stepped on. on. Yeah. yeah, you could see him on the sideline like flexing it. Like it, it was giving him issues. Uh, I, it just everybody is overlooking this fact. They want to make it seem like there's a quarterback controversy there. Do you? I don't think there's – if his hand is fine next week or whatever, they go right back to him, right? 
Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, they went right back to him as soon as he was ready. You you saw it on the sideline. I was I was watching the game too. Yeah, because as soon as he, you could see him talking to Lincoln Riley. They sent him right back out. There was no of like, uh, well maybe you know. No, they sent him right back out. It was definitely because of the hand. I think they pulled him just to make sure he was okay. So yeah, I'm with y'all. I think that's being a little bit overblown. It's just a bad game. And hey, freshmen have those games, right? I mean, we got to remember this is what his fourth game starting. Like he's. He's going to have some issues here and there. Baylor, a good team. We talked about a lot on the tailgate this morning. Just like I talked about with Ohio State and Purdue, these two have just like this weird history where these games are always very competitive, even if one of the teams is not very good, which is usually Baylor's side. So they came, they played well, they played good defense. So I, I'm not a, not overall surprised by it. But yeah, it, it's definitely weird. So I really thought Oklahoma was going to be able to sneak into the playoff, but that looks like that is done for sure. Talk about an entitled fan base. They were chanting for Malachi Nelson at the end of that game, who yeah. for people that, that, that have not followed 2023 recruiting, he is the, the, the five-star freshman they have coming in. My QB one in the class currently. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, after they chanted for Caleb for all those weeks and, and he's put up the numbers he has, they were already calling for the new guy. So fun. Not really, but you know, hey, you, you get what you get what you wish for, right? I think you know that's exactly what they deserve by doing that. Uh, speaking of recruiting, Dan Mullen, he's still looking for that chomp down there in Florida. What are your thoughts about him? I don't know how much of this is possibly been overblown. We know in the press conference, I believe it was two weeks ago. Now they asked him about recruiting, and he was like, "I'll talk about that when it's time to to worry about recruiting." I don't know if that necessarily means he doesn't recruit in season. Maybe it's just I don't focus on that part. I'm not going to answer those questions right now. We, we see a lot of other coaches are not afraid to do that. I'll just use the team I cover, I, or not cover, the team I watch closely, Ohio State. Ryan Day will talk about recruiting at any press conference anytime he's asked. Maybe Mullen's just not doing that, or maybe it is Mullen's just not that good at recruiting. Kind of what are your thoughts about that and the fact that they were down to Sanford today for almost the entire game? And then they celebrated after winning like they won the national championship. Yeah, I saw people excusing that video. And that's just mind-blowing to me. As a coach, I don't know how you can allow that to go on in that locker room after after they, they, they gave up almost 50 points in the first half to a Sanford team that, that is, you know, in a lower division and is four and five. It's not like you're playing South Dakota State or, you know, a team that's that's mostly respectable uh, from their respective division. Sanford is just not a very good team. And it looked for a while like like Florida was going to lose that game. Look, Florida, I, I a lot of these big schools kind of, pull up in the recruiting rankings late. Um, like a lot of these guys will kind of commit early. And then the big names obviously don't at all until the very, very end. So those guys are still on the table. They can make or bake, break a class there. Florida is the 22nd ranked class in the country right now, which is not great. I mean, they're, they're in a very, uh, you know, a fertile, a great recruiting area there in Florida. Um, tons of the top recruits uh, come out of there. Um, they're ninth in the SEC uh, their class currently they've had three uh decommits in the past month uh two four-star kids one of them already has chosen his new uh home i believe the other one uh is still deciding but i mean they are hemorrhaging recruits and, and if they aren't hemorrhaging they certainly aren't adding any to the fold we talked a little bit on the tailgate this morning chris and i did in the second hour about just you know what are the odds dan mullen is back next year and we said well they, they got rid of the defensive coordinator We'll see what happens with, you know, Anthony Richardson and some of these guys that, that there have been rumors of them transferring. This Sanford game might have been the, the nail on the coffin, though, between that and the recruiting. And I mean, it's just I don't know how much you can put up with there at a Florida at a program that that expects to contend every single year. 
Yeah, I'd be very surprised if he's back. I feel like a lot of what we've seen this year, just with the way he's handled certain things and the players as well, like I wonder how much of that is Anthony Richardson really did get hurt dancing and how much of that is maybe he's just like, I, I want to get out of here. I mean, we haven't seen a whole lot of positive talk from the players, and I'm with you. I, I mean, I'm all for a win. A win is a win, and you should celebrate it. But I was just like, wow, like you guys are celebrating like you won the Natty because you guys came back and beat Sanford, which maybe that is a good thing, right? I mean, they were down pretty big by Sanford, and then they were able to come back and beat them. So I guess that's worth celebrating. I got a, I got a lot of crap on Twitter today for this one, so I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Has Kenneth Walker walked or ran his way to the Heisman. I tried to, I know, man, I've all these, I've worked really hard on them. I, I, you know, looking at this, you and Felix just talked about this a minute ago, or Felix at least brought it up with the, the Matt Corral thing. And, and none of these guys have really separated. This is a really close group. And the one thing I guess I would put in Kenneth Walker's cap is he's been good in every single game. And even in their loss, it was not on him. He ran for 146 yards and a couple touchdowns uh, against Purdue last week, even though they got beat. I think he has a really good shot to do close to that, if not better, against Ohio State this weekend. Again, even if they lose, I don't think it's going to be because of him. Or do you think that because it's typically a quarterback award, it's likely going to go to a Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Matt Corral, who seem to be the other three that are getting a lot of talk up at the top? I did predict before the season, my bold prediction on on the C2C pod was that a, a non-quarterback won the Heisman. So Kenneth Walker um, would be would be good for that particular prediction. Um, you don't want to hear what my best guess was. It's not close. Um, but like if any of these guys win it, they'd be the worst Heisman winner in the past decade, right? Like Probably. it's just not it's yeah. not a good field. I, I, Kenneth Walker is a good player. If you said like if you if you just asked me to watch Kenneth Walker and I could watch him like without a jersey or anything like no context and you said is this a Heisman winner I'd be like no same for Matt Corral same I mean same for Bryce Young no again nobody on Georgia Caleb Williams has played four games give me a break I mean you can just go down the list and all these guys have huge issues I would say if I had a vote and I had to vote tomorrow I would probably vote for Kenneth Walker because I think he's been the best player on a top 10 team that was not expected to be a top 10 team and would not be a top 10 team without him. The only other guy I think that that has that on his resume is Matt Corral. Uh, they're obviously not top 10, but they're close. So, I mean, but I, I, I don't like that. I, I mean, it doesn't no, feel yeah. nice to say. No, I'm with you, but someone has to win the award. So I I, I agree with you. I think it's going to end up being Walker. I think he has to go out and have a good game though next week against Ohio State. I, I don't know that they win that game if they don't, and he still goes out and runs for 150, or if he has like a Michigan-type game, right, where he's the one keeping him in the game, runs for 200 yards, three or four touchdowns, and then Stroud is able to drive down the field, and, and they end up winning. I don't know that that gives Stroud the Heisman over Walker, my biggest fear is, and I know I'm going to get all the Stroud haters coming out because everybody thinks I hate CJ Stroud. If if he ends up going and winning out the rest of the the rest of the season and gets into the playoffs, I think he's going to back into the Heisman because his stats are really good, even though I don't think he's played that well, um, and that's just going to make it even worse because. I don't think he deserves it either, but it's definitely an interesting discussion. I think at this point in time last year, it was really kind of coming down between three Alabama players in Devonta Smith, Mac Jones, and Najee Harris, and we knew it was going to be one of those three. I mean, we've got four guys, and I think you could literally like flip a coin for any of them and, and make an argument. But I, I think it's really, in my opinion at least, kind of got narrowed down to Kenneth Walker and Matt Corral. 
Last but not least, we saw Oklahoma get beat, but that's really it. The rest of the other teams up in the top have won. We've, Oregon's playing right now. How do you think the playoff committee handles everything uh, on Tuesday night? Um, I mean, I, I think it's going to be, you know, still Georgia number one. They're not going to shift. I think Bama stays number two, convincing win. Um, I'm going to say it's it's Ohio State and Oregon with Cincy five. But, I mean, for all the people that are mad about Cincy, they still control. If they win out, you really only have to hope that one team loses in front of you. I think Georgia, not Georgia, but the rest of those teams, if one, any of those teams loses again, Cincy gets in. So, fear not. Yeah. I think I think you're rooting for one thing, and that's Georgia to win out. Because if Georgia wins out now that Oklahoma lost, I think since he's in no matter what, they're not putting a three-loss Bama in. If Bama wins against Georgia, then I think Bama and Georgia are locked in which then means you've got Cincy fighting for two spots. And I think one of, or both, if Oregon Ohio State went out, they're both in. So if Georgia wins out, that could open up two spots because I could see Oregon or possibly Ohio State losing one more game. And then that knocks them both out as well. So there's still a lot of chance for, I agree with you, for Cincinnati to get in. I think it stays the top four and then Cincinnati at five. And Oklahoma's loss today, unfortunately, kind of knocks them out of that race. And, and we're obviously going to do a left coast check in here a little bit later, but uh, Oregon's in a little bit of a fight right now. So we might you know what? have to have this discussion come tomorrow. Not so. not surprising because if you look at what they've done the past couple of weeks, they've been in a lot of close games against not very good teams. So I, I would not be surprised. Uh, but that does it for us on headlines. Austin, I believe you are running the pa- panel here, so I'm going to throw it to you. Darn right I'm running this panel. Let's bring everybody in here. Uh, what's going on, guys? How's everybody doing? Long time Hello. to see. Yeah. All right. Let's, as, as we do every week, guys, we talk about value shift, whose values have changed the most. They can be up. They can be down. Um, Brandon, let's come to you first. Do you have uh, one guy that really sticks out to you that, that that's value changed the most? today or this week yeah. when i guess some action and stuff happened yeah so um i i think it's been you know the past few weeks and i guess for the season just the um the perception of him but um deuce vaughn had another uh, good game today and i think the big thing with him is a lot of people based on his size just think he's going to be more of the you know a passing back at the next level um but he has been able to um you know rush the ball uh, quite a bit he has four games um, – or he has six games over 100 yards this season and four games with over 20 carries. And he just consistently um, has been doing that for that Kansas State offense. So I'm not going to say that he can be a started running back in the NFL, but I think his value is going up in that he's going to be more than just passing back in that slow. Yeah, yeah. He is definitely starting to round out that, uh, that profile a little bit. Uh, Mr. Sharp. Yeah, uh, you yeah, can't you can't you can't say Tyler Van Dyke, but who else who else raised their their pro- Tyler Van Dyke had an excellent so second half there um, against FSU in that rivalry today. Uh, no, 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 it's not Tyler Van Dyke. It's Braylon Allen. I think you have to consider Braylon Allen to be easily. I mean, he's probably the RB two for the twenty twenty four class after Travion Henderson. He doesn't even really know how to run yet. I mean, you see him breaking tackles where he bounces defenders off of his body without even lowering his shoulder. I saw a run today where, you know, he was high stepping and and his knee hit the chest of the defender. He doesn't even protect himself out there. Reminds reminds me very much of Chris Carson, who actually does protect himself, you know, now, but very, very Oklahoma State, uh, Chris Carson. 
you know, just kind of running, running over people. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's uh, Braylon Allen has shot really shot up. My rankings is in the top 15 ish. Now I can't remember exactly where he is, but he's one. He's one. I mean, I don't know if you guys want to talk about Jameson Williams. I mean, we could talk about Jameson Williams and his excellent performance today. We but, actually have a moratorium on no more, no more Jameson Williams. This is what I want to say about Jameson Williams. This is what I want to ask about Jameson Williams is he is headed towards first or second round draft capital. I mean, an Alabama receiver performing like this, they just get first or second round draft capital. And I, I think, I don't think that any of us believe that he is some sort of alpha or number one. I think that he is a very good number two. And could he have value uh, at the next level, maintain his fan- fantasy value? And I p- picked some of these teams where he would be like the perfect fit Seattle. Los Angeles. I'm not going to say Kansas City because everybody says Kansas City. Los Angeles, Buffalo. Which LA team? Sorry. The Chargers. Okay. Uh, Cleveland, playing the number two to Jarvis Landry and stretching the field. San Francisco, Atlanta, number two to Calvin Ridley and uh, and Kyle Pitts. I mean, I think that those would be excellent spots for him where he could do the things that he's doing now. I don't, you know, I don't know that anybody's going into games trying to stop Jamison Williams. And if he landed with any of those teams, that would continue to be the case. Like if he landed with a team like Detroit or, um, well, Detroit is off the top of my head because that's my team. I don't think that would be a good situation for him. Not just because the team sucks is because I think that he's the only thing that you would have to stop in the passing game. So, uh, and I would also like to, so I think that he's situation dependent at the next level. Does that make him a sell now? Is his value in C2Cs when you consider the college side and the NFL side, is his value ever going to be higher than it is right now? The only way is if he gets that first round draft capital, right? Because I think I think you still see hear a lot of people say day two. I mean that Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? No. I the Raiders would be a cool spot. Replace rugs there. I That'd thought be the about perfect that. place for him to go. Yeah. Second, ra- he feels like a raider. Like they would probably reach yeah. on him. Yeah, <laughs> first round, first round. Like there's your first round draft capital. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, well, uh, what's, the, what's his name? I can't remember the owner's Darius name. Darius Hayward Bay. Darius Hayward. No, Bay. no, no, no. Mark Owner Davis. Mark uh, Al Davis. He has that's better a, hands than Darius Al Davis. Al Davis pick right there. Yeah, I've got. I mean, now that I did all that talking, I completely forgot who I was going to bring up here. Let me double check who I was looking at. I mean, I could do some more talking if you want me to. Let's not have you do some more talking. I'm going to stick in the Texas game. I was paying very close attention to that. I mean, I know we've talked a lot about him, but holy shit to Xavier Worthy, who had himself a game. I know at least three touchdowns. I didn't watch like the last two minutes of this uh on a hurt ankle, too. He got his ankle twisted uh, on a sideline. He tried to make a catch on the sideline, kind of got pushed down, uh, was limping really bad. I thought he might be done for the game. Comes back out, does that. And I don't want to say stock down, but a little bit worried about possibly Bijan, which we'll talk a little bit about him in a li- here later. But uh, looks like a possible serious injury to that arm. Uh, you know, what, what that might mean for his future. So, uh, I mean, Texas all around, though, lose to Kansas. I think stock down for everybody. Casey Thompson, game manager, Hudson Card's going to switch to cornerback in a year. Like, it's not looking good for any of those guys. 
you're just so desperate to have Travion Henderson uh, looked at as the overall RB one that you just he is the RB one. I don't even know slander Bijan Robinson. He's not the RB one. The RB one is Jameer Gibbs. That's who the RB one. Yeah, we know you've been spamming the C two C account with Jameer Gibbs highlights. We saw. Don't worry about it. Travion Henderson. He's the RB one. I like this. Go ahead, Austin. He's not the RB1, but I mean, I think the, diff- the difference between RB1 and, RB- and him as the RB2 is a lot less than anybody behind him, truly, in that class. The um, only thing that B. John Robinson has on Jameer Gibbs is 20 pounds. That's it. I mean, J- Jameer Gibbs, when he has space, is an excellent runner. He, for to be 205, 200, 200, 205 pounds, he is a super physical runner, and he is a deep threat out of the backfield, and he can return kicks. I mean, he's the RB1. Bijan can return kicks too. So can Travion. I mean, I think that's what I like to see those guys do early. I'm shocked that Georgia Tech still has him back returning kicks every week. Um, you guys, you know, Felix, you always talk about how we always like our, our top end guys and that that's who we focus on. And all of you guys go for these obvious names. How about Donovan Smith, freshman quarterback at Texas Tech who had himself a day there, Texas Tech upsetting Iowa State on a freaking 62 plus yard field goal as time expired. Shout out to that kicker. But Donovan Smith, 25 for 32 today, 322 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. They've got a new coaching staff there in Texas Tech. They're already pooling in recruits. I think they've already, they've already gotten three commitments since this guy started last week. It, 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 are they building something there? Who's to say? But, I mean, Smith could be the guy there for the next couple of years. He was a, a three-star athlete coming out in 2020. Um, sat out last year. I, th- I believe he suffered a preseason injury, and so um, you know, no game time for him. I, I doubt he would have played anyway. But I mean, he- he's six five, two thirty. I mean, he- Felix, you got to go watch this kid. You would love him. Just a, a big, athletic guy. He can do. He yeah. can work outside of structure, um, but just kept that offense humming today. Uh, I th- he's got some tools. He- he's intriguing. I think he's going to be a mustache player down the stretch here. If your leagues uh, allow waiver claims down the stretch. Uh, and don't be surprised if he's the starter over a Baron Morton, a guy that we all liked, or Tyler Shuck, uh, infamously Walter Football's quarterback one coming into the year. I mean, I, this kid is going to have the leg up on some of these guys because it appears the staff likes him. So I, that Donovan Smith is a guy that was you know totally not on my radar at all, and now I'm paying very close attention. I think that's a major stock up. This is why you got to love college football because – we th- if there was going to be a freshman taking over there, we thought it would be Baron Morton. Uh, Alan True came on this show and talked about his love for for Baron Morton, and then I this is a kid I've never heard of. So um, that's why you, I love college football because these names are uh, uh, there are always new names, always new characters coming into the story. So th- there are a couple of names that, uh, that we've got to throw out here. Do we have time for that? Can we, can we do that? You have thirty seconds. All right, listen. Mayan Williams has exact. Mayan Williams was excellent today, as Matt Bruning uh, said. Travion Henderson has act, has exactly one more hundred yard game than Mayan Williams, even though Mayan Williams missed time uh, earlier in the season. Mayan Williams is averaging just 0. 0, 0.01 yards less per carry than um, than uh, Mr. Travion Henderson, the, the the superstar there, and James Cook. Um, I, I'm I, I as a value. In this 2022 class, I think that you have to consider James Cook. He has a bit of that uh, slasher style similar to his brother, and he's also excellent in the passing game. He's 
probably like 190 pounds. That's and so that's the problem at, with yeah. him. That is what he's listed at. Okay. Yeah, but he's, you know, he's very, very well-rounded. He's been productive and efficient in his role there at Georgia, um, but he's never been the primary guy, was the primary guy today involved in all aspects of the offense, 10 for 104 and two on the ground, then three for 43, three for 43 and one through the it, through the air. He's a guy that if he gets with the right team, he could have a, a, a real um, uh, boost in value as far as fantasy goes. Even you know in a third down pass catching role, um, I, I, he could he could be you know a real value next year. Even as a, a guy that goes in the fifth, fourth, fifth round, so. Yeah, we, we have a little bit of a college football chat with some people, and we were talking about him today, and, and fifth round seemed to be about consensus. Yeah. So we'll see. I think his weigh-in is going to be very, very important uh, when he comes out this year. All right, guys, thank you for joining me um, here on this lovely panel. Um, we will talk uh, to a few of you guys here later. I'm going to be joined uh, here momentarily, though, by the man, the myth, the legend himself. Kevin, how's it going tonight? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, just want to, you know, Travion Henderson is the running back one, but I will, we'll, we'll move on from that. Your Michigan fan card has been revoked. Um, <laughs> well, just, leave, I mean... just leave that, just leave that in your badge and, and your gun uh, on my desk and you can leave now. Um, yes, guys, Kevin Coleman, co-host of Debbie Royale here with us, contributor at Fantasy Pros, contributor here at CampusToCanton.com. You can find him on Twitter at Boys underscore 22. Kevin, we like to come out to you here for this left coast check-in because you are our only presence on the the West Coast. Uh, we might have to look into that in the future, um, so you're not all out there on an island by yourself. But let's talk about some of these games here: Colorado, UCLA. Um, this uh, this game. Oh, I think this game actually just wrapped up. Uh, what what did we get here? Yeah, this game just got over. Uh, UCLA won forty-four to twenty. Uh, they they pretty much they were down uh, twenty ten at the end of the first half, and they they reeled off uh, thirty-four unanswered points in the second half. So really, it came down to you know Darius Thompson. Uh, he, he had a great game. Robinson had two hundred fifty-seven yards of the year. He had uh, ninety-nine yards rushing and a touchdown. Charbonnet had seventeen carries for sixty-seven yards and three touchdowns as well. So it'll be interesting to see what Charbonnet becomes. I don't. I'm still not super high on him. I know some others are. Uh, but he did have three touchdowns in this game. Uh, you know, Dolchitz had 87 yards. Uh, Kevin Phillips had 99 yards and eight receptions. So on, on the UCLA side, they kind of woke up a little bit. DTR being fully healthy, it looks like he's better. Colorado still sucks. I don't know if anybody knew that, but Colorado is not very good at football this year. Uh, you know, Broussard did have 16 carries for 108 yards. So that's good to see for some of those guys out there. But they're just so inefficient through the air. I mean, Lewis had 158 yards passing. That was it. Uh, they they really focus on the ground, but that offense they got to fix a lot of things there. So UCLA gets a nice win, especially for being at five and four. Yeah, yeah, big win there for them. Uh, Oregon, number five, Oregon. They're in a dog fight here. The second half just started. We've got we've got fourteen fourteen all. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I picked Washington State to cover in this game on the show uh, on Tuesday because I see I just I don't trust Oregon and it was 14 points. Uh, so we'll see if, if I'm right, though. Oregon gets the ball in the second half. You know, it, they, they were up 14-0 in the first quarter and then uh, Washington State rolled off two, uh, two touchdowns, 14 points unanswered. So Oregon's got to bounce back. You know, Anthony Brown is not a perfect uh, quarterback by any means. Tonight, he's 11 for 14 for 75 yards and a touchdown. 
through the running game, you know, they really miss Verdell, which is something I never thought I would say out loud. But Travis Dye, six carries for 39 yards and a touchdown. Brown also has 44 yards down the ground. Uh, Cardwell is getting a little bit of run right now, so that's something to look at. You know, he had two carries for 27 yards. McGee as well. Through the air, though, it's just kind of like, hey, who's going to get in that ball? No receiver has really, really popped off this year for them. Travis Dye does have a touchdown through the air. Uh, on the other side, Washington State, you know, we know Delore is there. He has 109 yards and a touchdown. Nothing through the nothing through the ground. I mean, Borgie has 23 yards, but the the whole uh, next CMC thing, I think, is finally over. Uh, if you're looking at through the air and who we could say, hey, he's having a pretty good game. Uh, Calvin Jackson Jr. has two catches for 74 yards, so that that's good to see there. But I don't know. It'll be interesting. Oregon's got to pull this thing out, but I can see this game very close, three or six points. And it looks like just Oregon just scored, like literally oh, okay. as you just yeah. finished talking. So I, I don't even know who has the touchdown yet, but it is now 20 to 14 there. And we um, maybe we'll give you guys an update at the end of the show here uh, as that game continues on. Nevada, San Diego State, uh, the, the fighting Carson Strong's there for the Wolfpack. No Cole Turner rolled out right before the game. He was in concussion protocol here all week. Uh, and as I think most people kind of predicted, that offense is struggling there now with two of their big pieces down in that passing game. Yeah, I mean, you know, San Diego State's winning 17 to 7 right now. And that was always going to be a tough matchup uh, for Strong. This defense is pretty good. Uh, and if you look at, you know, Strong right now is 18 for 23, 136 yards and a touchdown. So nothing, nothing bad. But we all know that they can't run the ball. Uh, Tower is there, uh, Toa Tower. He has seven carries, 29 yards. Uh, Carson Strong has minus 16 yards. I thought Felix should know that. Uh, Receiving-wise, if you're looking at receivers and, and what's going on in Nevada, you know, Torrey Horton has three catches for 36 yards and a touchdown. Stovell has 44 yards. Dubes has 24 yards. But without those weapons, this Nevada's team slowly, slowly been falling apart all year. Uh, it'll be interesting if Strong can go. San Diego State's going to do now. Now that they're up, we know what they're going to do. They're going to get the ball to Bell. Uh, Greg Bell has 14 carries, 102 yards. He has no touchdowns, but they're just going to rush and lean on both the Bells and go there. And I, I think that's going to be a good thing for them. Uh, I don't know if San Diego State has the offense to hold them to bet up, but like you said, because those injuries are there, I don't see them coming back. It'll be we'll see what Strong can do now because Strong had a pretty bad outing last week. We'll see if he can bounce back. Yeah, it could just be a case of one too many injuries there yeah, uh, to overcome for Nevada. Last one here that I've got for you. It is at halftime right now. Utah State, San Jose State. Utah State's been a bit of a surprise this year. We, you know, we thought they'd be okay. They're sitting at seven and two, and they, they're up by ten. Yeah, you know what? They have a sh outside shot looking at that Mountain West. I know uh, they lost the. I know the Boise game is there right now. They're first in their in the Mountain Division, and so when you're looking at that, you're like, hey, you know, could they actually could they do something here and make it to a conference championship? And they might. You know, they're up 24-14 in San Jose State. Logan Bonner is a kid that I think is he's erratic, but he's fun to watch. 119 yards and two touchdowns so far. Uh, when you're looking through the air, you know, Devin Tompkins, they're all pro receiver, 5'5 five, five guy, looks like me. One catch, 43 yards, that's about it there. Uh, they've really just kind of done it through the ground, and you look at it, and they've been moving the ball around. I think it's yeah, seven different players have caught a pass in this game uh, for Utah State. So they moved the ball around. On the other side, Starkle has come back from San Jose State, but hasn't been the same. He's 65 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. They Nevins has a score on the ground, but that's it. They, their offense does not look great. Utah State scored 24 points in the second quarter. So if they can hold on here, they have a chance to make it. They're on the driver's seat right now in the Mountain West. And if they can do that, that'd be it'd be a great story to see them make it to the Mountain West Finals. 
very, very quietly hanging in there for Utah State. Kevin, thank you so much, as always, uh, for spending a few minutes here with us uh, to check in on all these West Coast games. Again, guys, you can find Kevin at Bois underscore 22 on Twitter, uh, and, and you can just find him virtually everywhere. But go check out everything that he does. Kevin, thank you uh, for hopping on here. Yeah, no problem, guys. Have a good show. You too. All right, let's get everybody back in here. Felix, Mr. Hay, in. in, back Mr. out. Mr. Matthew Bruning. All right, guys. Uh, we usually just kind of do a little wrap up here at the end. Uh, you know, some, some games that maybe we didn't deserve headline talk, but they are here now. Um, let's talk a little bit about this Kansas-Texas game. Uh, Kansas upsetting Texas there. They were, what, a 14-point dog? Or no, a 30-point dog, I mean, I believe. It was the original spread or something close to that. Uh, got up big early and held on. Um yeah, you mentioned earlier Matt Xavier worthy with the big day and Bijan going down there. I mean, what what is going on at Texas? Should we be worried about Sark? Should we worry about Bijan? I mean, is the house on fire at Texas? What are we doing? No, <clears throat> I think a lot of it comes down to the quarterback position and just the defense isn't good. I mean, that that's just the end of the story there. Uh, Casey Thompson, you know, for all, for all the flack we give him here, he's he's not a bad quarterback, but he's dealing with some kind of thumb issue. If you watch the game, you can see he's truly having trouble passing the ball. He cannot throw. He missed Bijan earlier on like a flat route who's wide open, missed missed through the ball there to him. A couple to Xavier Worthy as well. And then every time Hudson Card comes in, he just doesn't look good. And as soon as he makes like one bad play, Sark just pulls him. Doesn't give him any kind of chance to actually get into any rhythm. So I think that's it. I think the big question is, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I posted the videos. I took a look, some videos on my phone of the Bijan thing. Uh, Jeff Mueller, who who does a lot of stuff for DLF, um, and he's a guy that physical therapist usually gets his injury stuff right. I mean, it looks like he's got a broken arm or something with his elbow. His his arm goes kind of floppy after he lands on the ground. It looks like the bone is kind of sticking uh, down on the bottom of his arm there. You know, Felix has mentioned it before about him possibly sitting out. I think there's an even more realistic shot now. This kind of injury – Come back next year. I don't know that Texas is going to be any more improved than they are right now. I mean, they're four and six. What are they? Maybe two more extra wins are not going to be in the playoff contention. Why do you come back and risk getting another injury when, again, I, st- I think he's at worst a day two pick or a round two pick next year. Uh, I think he, he, I think he could be a first round pick if he plays and balls out again, but worst second round pick with that. And I mean, it looked bad. He, you, he looked in pain as soon as he went down. They covered his arm up with the towel. It was not pretty. Why? Why risk it? Felix, should he go get the bag? It's just crazy to me that we're talking about Bijan Robinson potentially being a second round pick. I mean, that just shows you how much the game has evolved. I mean, if 10 years ago, he would have been easily a top 10 pick. Um, and now we're talking about, I mean, Matt's right. I mean, he could potentially be a, if Jonathan Taylor was a second round pick and DeAndre Swift was a second round pick, then then Bijan Robinson might be a second round pick. That's absolutely crazy to think about, but you see um, how much value Saquon Barkley has given the Giants, and so teams have actually learned. So, um, yeah, he should he should sit out. There's no reason he's established his draft capital. Um, he should he should absolutely sit out, as I've been saying. Oh, have you now? I don't remember that. <laughs> Do we have any other games today uh, that we really want to cover, guys? I mean, it was. A very odd day in college football. I think, you know, 
Well, let's give a nod to Devin Neal in that Texas-Kansas uh, sure. game. He had 124 yards rushing, 24 three, three touchdowns. He had a, another 24 yards in the air. We talked about uh, Travion Henderson and Braylon Allen. Um, Devin Neal is right there as a top three or four back um, in that in that 2024 class, uh, along with um, uh, oh shoot the the Arkansas running back. I don't know Rocket how Sanders Rocket Sanders and- Rockets Rocket Sanders is right uh, Will, right Will there Ship- with him. Yeah, Will Shipley, Will Shipley too. I want to see Will Shipley get involved in the passing game. Um, but yeah, that, that that's that running back class is starting to look um, as you know it has some strength to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, another big Georgia win. I mean, I don't think there's anything noteworthy there to discuss. That well, train just keeps on rolling. There is ahead, one man. thing I'd like to mention. I, I don't know that it's a big thing, but Tennessee did get up on them right at the beginning. And it didn't affect them at all. I've heard a lot of people say if a team gets up on Georgia, will that affect them? Can Stetson Bennett Stetson Bennett bringing them back? It was no issue whatsoever for that offense. So I just thought I'd throw it out there. And maybe it's because Tennessee really didn't keep their foot on the gas after that. But uh, yeah, it, it was uh, interesting to see them that happen. And then Georgia pretty much just kind of ran all over them and passed all over them with James Cook. It was truly amazing. All of the Tennessee fans that were thumping their chests. <laughs> Saying we're back, baby, as they're down 24 10 and a half. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I don't know why so much Tennessee stuff was coming up on my feed today. Um, Rashad White had another big game. I mean, is there anything to talk about there with him? Uh, uh, he got upwards of 40 fantasy points, depending on what you're what what format you're playing there. 184 yards on the ground on 32 attempts, a couple mm-hmm. of touchdowns, five catches for 53 yards, I believe. And I think he had the game winning score there as well. I mean, in, in a very, very tight win for Arizona State. That's um, the, that that's a big performance. Should we, I mean, top five back in the class. Should we should he be talked about in that way? I still worry about how athletic I love Rashad White. I love Rashad White. Um, when we were doing our 2021 breakouts back in November, December of last year, I think Rashad White was one of the first two names that I mentioned. Um, I still wonder if he has the athleticism. He has the size, but is he a great size-adjusted ath- athlete? I-, I wouldn't be surprised if he went to the combine and ran in the 4-6 range, which doesn't bother me because I liked uh, Ramondre Stevenson, but he might be a Ramondre Stevenson-level athlete. Uh, and, and that's going to prevent him from being like a day two guy might be an early day three guy, but I'm still going to like him because he can catch the ball and he can do everything. So, yeah, I, I think it, I mean, it's, it's hard to say, is he locked in as the number five? But I mean, I think Spiller Hall, Walker and Williams are all probably safely ahead of him. Then who else do you put ahead of him? I mean, I know Austin, you like Jerome Ford, but he doesn't have the receiving upside that Rashad White has. You're going to put Tyler Algier there. I don't know. I think I'd, as much as I like Algier, I'd probably take White over him. I mean, Samir White, I don't think so. Tyler Goodson, no. Maybe people put Zach Charbonnet over him. I wouldn't. And I mean, I don't think Zach Charbonnet is that good. So, I mean, I think he's definitely in the discussion, if not leading the discussion for a top five back right now in the 2022 class. Brandon, is he in your top five backs, or, or and if not, yeah. who do you like more? Yeah, I would say he's in the top five. I think one question would be Arizona State after this year, since most likely he'll be leaving, um, because he's kind of been their whole offense because uh, Daniels has just not shown the improvement and everything in the passing game. So I think um, and and Chip has 
continue to um, fumble the ball the past few games and getting less and less carries. So um, for me, that's the the big part. I wonder, you know, where that offense really goes after White leaves. Will be interesting to watch uh, there for sure. And what happens with that coaching staff? We know there there are some allegations of impropriety uh, surrounding recruiting. So that that will be a fascinating thing to watch. Um, next week, guys, let's just do a little bit of a, a look ahead to, to next week's schedule. I know for some of you guys probably already counting up the fantasy points there. You're through to the next round. You're wondering what you're going to be looking at here. What games? And we've got some action again, as we have the past couple of weeks. Uh, Memphis-Houston, a, a fun game there. Memphis uh, obviously lost in overtime today, upset by ECU, um, but but had the big game the week before that uh, against SMU. Um, SMU-Cincinnati, guys. This is Cincinnati's last big hurdle. We're going to be watching that one pretty closely. Oh, yeah. With the way Tanner Mordecai has been playing and, and that Cincy defense is – They've been giving up points to a lot of teams we said are not quite as good. SMU's offense against, I mean, Tanner Mordecai was so good, they sat him for the entire fourth quarter th- today. I mean, he he was amazing. I think he had 350 passing yards, three touchdowns. It's going to be a good matchup because if, if SMU gets up a couple touchdowns on him, I'm going to be honest, I don't know that Desmond Ritter can bring Cincy's offense back and, and, and match him. So that's definitely a game I'm going to be looking forward to. I mean, another one, obviously – Michigan State, Ohio State. Uh, that's probably going to be the big early morning game that a uh, big uh, big noon kickoff group is going to be at. Again, mentioned it earlier. Ohio State really struggled to stop the run earlier in the year. We saw what CJ Verdell did to him. That defense plays anything like that. I think Kenneth Walker can do two times that because I think he's a better running back than CJ Verdell. That's a game I'm obviously going to be paying very close attention to, not just for the Ohio State, but for what that could mean for both those teams moving forward. I think personally in that game, I think the Buckeyes are going to win that handedly because for one, because um, Michigan state, when they play Michigan, you know, they allow Michigan to throw for almost 400 passing yards. And we've seen Michigan's offense is not a great passing offense. And with CJ Stroud and those receivers, I think they're going to be able to pass it. So even if they give up the running to Kenneth Walker, I just think they'll be able to outscore them. And I just don't think Michigan state has the, the firepower to stay with them. So the one thing I'll say on that, we saw Jaden Reed, and he's been having a really good season when he gets those one-on-ones. The Buckeyes secondary is not that good. It is not. And again, we saw Anthony Brown had a good game against them. Give me Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed and Kenneth Walker over what they played in Oregon. Now, I know the defense isn't the same as Oregon's, but C.J. Stroud, again, he struggled early. Kenneth Walker, if they can keep the ball away, if Stroud doesn't get into that rhythm, I guarantee you we're going to see early season Stroud, not late season Stroud. It's, I think it's going to be a much better game. And one last game I want to throw out here for you guys, and I just want to give an update. Oregon is up, still up 21-14 here. They have the ball again. They are um, you know, sort of driving. Um, they get Utah next week. That game is going to determine the Pac-12, and that game is going to determine Oregon's uh, chances to make the playoff. If Oregon wins that game i think they can kind of limp in as long as they don't lose i think that that basically locks it up for them right i think yeah, I if mean, utah if and they, oregon state i think even if they lose or even if they beat utah they play utah again though don't they doesn't utah has the other side locked up so they would play them for the pac-12 championship so i, I almost positive they'd have to play utah twice and i think utah could get them one of those times but yeah, yeah, and then uh, big game for Jameer Gibbs, Felix, against Notre Dame there. 
Yeah, I mean, he was locked up by Notre Dame last year, last year, um, but you saw some flashes. I just think that he's still Jameer Gibbs. We we all know Jameer Gibbs. I mean, we he, he's a, a top two or three back for all of us at the site and has been since we started it in March. But he's still an under the radar name in, in the public as a whole. I mean, I think the dynasty community has kind of gravitated towards uh B. John Robinson. Some people know, you know, Tank Bigsby, but it seems like Jameer Gibbs is still an under the radar name. And um it's just a a a, a game where he's it's going to be nationally televised. Georgia Tech has not had a lot of eyes on them this entire season. He's going to have more eyes than he's had on him probably than any other game in this in, in the seat. And then it, I mean it's a tough match. Notre Dame is a is a good defense. That's why they bottled him up last year. But it's it's time for him to be more nationally recognized, and he is um, a little bit. I mean it, that 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 buzz is growing around him. But if he can go out and have a you know a dominant performance, or if he's as versatile uh, next week as he was this week, then he's going to be a household name after uh, after that Notre Dame. Yeah, real quick, just to clear up that Utah thing, they are, regardless. If they lose, unless they lose to Colorado in the last week of the season, regardless of what happens next week, it'll be Oregon versus Utah in the Pac-12 championship. So. Awesome, awesome. So some some nice potential matchups coming up there. All right, guys, that is going to do it here uh, for us tonight. Thank you for tuning in again here for Coast to Coast with us. Make sure you're tuning in next week for our early show, uh, The Tailgate, kicking off at 10 a.m. Uh, we'll get you guys set and ready uh, for the entire day. We've got CFF. We've got DFS. We've got betting. We've got prize picks. We've got all sorts of different stuff. Um, again, make sure you're subscribing here to the YouTube channel and setting your alerts on so you know when we're going live. Uh, until next week, guys, uh, You know, enjoy the rest of your weekend here. <laughs>